0: ومن يتبدل كفر الإيمان يرد من أهل الكتاب لو من I hope you're happy today. I hope Assalamu alaikum alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa salatu wa salam ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Radhi tu billahi rabbah wa bil islami deena wa bi muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam nabiyyan wa rasoolan. I'm pleased with Allah as my Lord, Islam as my religion, and Muhammad as my Prophet and Messenger. Assalamu alaikum to everybody, and good morning to everybody. I pray that you guys are in the best state of health and faith, um, optimism, enthusiasm. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala place barakah in your day. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala place much blessing in this morning of ours, bidnilah. The Prophet instructed the Sahaba to supplicate in the morning. Allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi'an, wa rizqan ta'yiban, wa amalan mutaqabbalah. O Allah, we ask you for beneficial knowledge, for a provision that is halal, sustenance that is halal and um, sufficient for us, and deeds that are done. and you are accepting of those deeds These are dua that is that are instructed. we are instructed to make in the morning because the morning is where our barakah is The Prophet ﷺ said um, uh, uh, fee fee That the blessing of my ummah is in the morning And I know a lot of people, some people work at night I know some people, you know, are not really morning people um, But in the morning is where our, our barakah is So if you're just waking up or you've been up, um, rejoice and take advantage of the morning hours uh, because that's where our barakah is. Um, This morning, I want to talk to you guys about something that was very important. This is an incident that happened with the Prophet and one of his companions. The Prophet ﷺ was always in a habit of visiting people who were sick. This was even uh, the case with people who were not Muslim, who lived in his community. As we know, the Hadith where the Prophet ﷺ went to go visit the young Jewish boy, who lived in Medina, and when he entered upon him, he said to the young man, uh, "Qul la ilaha illallah. Say la ilaha illallah. Accept Islam. You guys know that Islam is the truth. Accept Islam." And the young boy turned to his uh, father for confirmation. Turned to his father, looked at his father for confirmation, and the father told the son, Aba Aba Qasim, obey Abu Qasim, Meaning, take Shahada, la ilaha illallah. And the Prophet ﷺ left out of the room, and he said, "Alhamdulillah uh, min nar That all praises due to Allah who saved this young boy from the hellfire through me. All praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who saved this young boy from the hellfire through me. And this was somebody who was not even Muslim. So, you know, if visiting someone who was a non-Muslim colleague, next door neighbor, friend of the family, someone who was not Muslim. Uh, and there's a strong possibility that you can seize the opportunity to invite the person to Islam, to invite the person to, you know, a new understanding or a deeper understanding of his relationship with God then do so this is even the case with people who are not muslim so how much more would that be for somebody who is muslim all right and this is one of the rights of a muslim over another muslim and that is that if he is sick you visit him if he is sick that you visit him so this in this particular hadith which was collected in sahih al-bukhari we want to see the prophet going to visit someone and giving them some words of advice some words of encouragement this is uh, a blueprint for us when we are in these particular situations, because we are living in a time where people are dying from all types of sicknesses, all ty- types of uh, you know physical you know ailments, physical um, situations. So as a result of that, um, people are succumbing to their illnesses, and we need to know the proper way of addressing them. It's, sometimes we address people. And we address them with, you know, um, I hope you feel better or things like this. And it, it comes off a little bit, you know, insensitive. So as Muslims, we should know the proper way to address or a proper way to deal with that. All right. So I'm going to give you this hadith and then we're going to dissect the hadith inshallah and pull the lessons out of the hadith. Okay. So Imam Bukhari, ta'ala, he narrates that the Prophet ﷺ, دَخَلَ عَلَى رَجْلٍ ya'uduhu. فقال له لبأس تهورن إن شاء الله فقال الرجل كلا بل كلا بل حمان تفور على شيخ كبير كيما تزيده القبور فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم نعم إذن فمات في الصباح The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam entered upon this A'arabi, uh, this Bedouin Arab. Uh, Bedouins they didn't really they didn't, They weren't really um, domesticated, so to say. Right? They lived in the desert. Their camels, their sheep, and they they were really jaffa. They had you know really harshness to their character, as Allah mentions that in the Quran. So, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam goes to visit him while he's sick, and the Prophet says to him, "La bet tohoran inshaAllah. May this sickness that you are experiencing be." An expiation for your sins. It's a tahor. It's a purification for you. Inshallah, if Allah wills. All right. This shows you the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Excuse me, one second. This shows you the the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's optimism that even though the guy is afflicted with you know um, a sickness, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is still seeing the sickness from a different perspective. He's seen it from the perspective that it could be a good thing for you, all right? As Allah says in the Quran, perhaps you may hate a thing, and in it is an abundance of good. Because you know we only see the outward, we only see what is apparent. As Allah mentions in another ayah, they only know the outward appearance of things from the life of this world, but as it relates to what's on the other side of that, the hikmah, the wisdom that lies on the other end of that, they know nothing about it. We Most of the time we don't know, and this is because we only know ourselves in hindsight. We only know ourselves after the trial, after the tribulation, after the situation, the misfortune is over. We don't know ourselves ahead of time. We don't know what type of person we're gonna be after this is over. We only know who we are after it's over and that becomes our achilles heel because we're not able to connect the dots going forward we connect the dots going back backwards right so we can say after it's over oh i see how this connected to this and how this connected to that but as you're going through it you you know you don't really have access to all of that when in fact it's actually Some of us, things have happened to us in our childhood and now as adults, we are only now beginning to connect the dots and be able to see the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our situation. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted you access to such and if you even care to connect the dots yourself. But in many instances, we don't have the, you know, we don't have the access to Allah's wisdom in our situations. Allah is all wise. Everything that he does has wisdom in it, whether we see it, whether we have access to that wisdom or not and so in tri- in times of trial, tribulation, misfortune, rather than asking Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala for patience, try asking Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala for wisdom, access to his wisdom, access to understand what is in this situation that is good for you. The Prophet sallallahu was always optimistic as Aisha described him as a man, you know, kana al That he was, you know, always striving to have to be optimistic, you know, to, to to see the good in every difficult situation. And I know that it's, you know, easier said than done, but sometimes, you know, you have to practice that. You have to begin to start looking at the glass half full. There is wisdom in it. I may not be able to see the wisdom in it at the moment. I may not be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's fine tuning on this situation, but I know it's there. And so rather than you know most of the time we ask for patience rather than asking for patience possibly we should ask for a deeper understanding of his wisdom access to his wisdom so that we can connect the dots and so that we can be more appreciative of our journey more appreciative of our misfortunes so the prophet wasalam, enters upon this man and he says to him inshallah. you know may it be an expiation for you may it be a purification for you inshallah And this was from the Prophet's optimism. And regardless of the situations that he found himself in, he still managed to see some good in the situation. And this is, believe it or not, one of the things that helps a person to become resilient. What does it mean to be resilient? Being resilient is being able to bounce back after misfortunes or calamities. The ability to, you know, get back on your feet after you know, you suffered some type of, you know, misfortune or calamity. You've succumbed, you've fell victim to some type of misfortune. And one of the reasons that people cannot get back up on their feet and they become complete, absolute pessimists afterwards is because they refuse to believe that there could be any good in the situation for them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly says, perhaps you may hate a thing and in it is an abundance of good. In it is a, an abundance of good, but you know we don't take the time out to see the good in the situation. The Prophet ﷺ, he woke up one morning and he asked Aisha, what do we have to eat? And Aisha said, we don't have anything. We don't have anything to eat. The Prophet ﷺ said, then? and I saw him, he said, then I'm just gonna fast. He saw a way out of every single difficulty. While we just literally wallow and our woes about every single difficulty. Oh, woe is me. Oh, why did this happen to me? Why me? What did I do to deserve this? Here we go again. And for some of us, we are so pessimistic and so wrapped up in our own woes, wallowing so deeply in our own woes that even when things are good happening to us, we just, we can't even enjoy it. Because we don't believe that we deserve it, we don't believe we don't believe that it's going to last. And why are you trying to predict? You know what good Allah Subhanahu wa Taala decided to give you for whatever reason. No good comes to any one of us, and we deserve it. No good comes to any one of us, and we feel like and 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 we deserve it. Anything that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gives us is out of His rahmah, out of His mercy even paradise. Paradise will not be given to any one of us. And we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are from the recipients of the greatest gift, the greatest success, which is paradise. I mean, but if any one of us manages to get to paradises, it will not be because of your deeds. It will not be because of your deeds. That is delusional to believe that paradise is a jazat and we found Is an an absolute recompense for the deeds that you've done in this life. I, I I had a discussion with my seventh graders the other day. And I said, if you were to calculate your life, right, for example, let's say that you were given 80 years to live on earth which is more than more than the average. The Prophet ﷺ said, He said, the average age of my ummah, the average age of those in the Muslim community will be between 60 and 70 years old, and only a few will go beyond that. So let's just say, for the sake of argument that you spent 80 years on your life, 80 years of your life on earth, right? Out of that 80 years, how, much, how many of those years can you actually say was dedicated and devoted to worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You, if you were born and raised Muslim, then you played around with your religion for most of your life. So let's just say 25, 30, you started taking Islam serious. right? Praying five times a day without missing a salat, fasting the month of Ramadan, all, the, the whole entire month without missing a day, reading the Quran on a regular basis, fearing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the best of your ability you really started taking islam seriously at 30 years old (laughs) 30 years old (laughs) all right so then that only leaves you with 50 years left 50 years right out of that 50 years how much of that time was spent worshiping allah subhanahu wa ta'ala don't you know that in a seven day period we spend at least two days sleeping we spend 48 hours in a week sleeping. So you multiply that times four, two times four, that's eight days out of the month. So we spend basically one third of the month sleeping. So one third out of 50, that leaves you with what? What does that leave you with? So you, the whole 50 years wasn't even devoted to worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You would say maybe 30 years, 30 years devoted to worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of that 30 years left, you know, you spend eight hours working. You spend another eight hours working. So that chops it down to another maybe 18 years. You spend 18 years worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And even within that 18 years, all of our worship, you know, sometimes our salat was on time. Sometimes our salat was not on time. Sometimes our salat, we were focused. Sometimes our salat, we was not focused. So that brings us possibly down to about 10 years. You spent roughly a full 10 years straight worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of the 80 years that Allah gave you. And you think that you are deserving of paradise because of that? you got to be kidding me. The Prophet said that if the human being remained in sujood in prostration from the time that he was born to the time that he died, he still would not have repaid Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessing of eyesight. If you were to remain in sujood from the time that Allah created you until the time that you died, all you did was make sujood, nothing else in your life. The only thing that you ever did was stay in sujood, begging Allah for His mercy, His forgiveness, you still would not have even repaid Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessing of eyesight. And the Prophet Wasallam, he said that None of you will enter into paradise by way of your deeds alone. He said, not even you, O Messenger of Allah. He said, not even me. إِلَّا أَيَتَغَمَّدِنِّيَ bi rahmati, Except if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to encompass me with his mercy. You understand, nobody will enter into paradise simply based upon your deeds. You will enter into paradise by having you know strive to do good deeds, but also majority by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because Jannah is not a an exact recompense, it's not an exact compensation for your deeds. Subhanallah. So it's delusional to think that. But nonetheless, the Prophet sallallahu he says to Aisha, do we have anything to eat? She says, no. He said, well, then I'm going to fast. He found a way. These are the tools that helps a person to become resilient. These are the tools that helps a person bounce back from misfortune. And one of the things that causes us to succumb to our misfortunes is that we don't have the tools of resilience. We don't know how to be resilient. So another example of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's optimism, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, إِذَا قَامَتَ السَّعَةَ وَفِي يَدِّ أَحْلِكُمْ فَسِيلًا فَإِنْ إِسْتَطَاعَ أن, ت... أَنْ لَا تَقُومَ حَتَّى يَغْرِسْهَا فَلْيَغْرِسْهَا The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that if the Day of Judgment, you start seeing the signs of the Day of Judgment, إِذَا قَامَتَ sa'a, If you started to see the signs of the Day of Judgment, And one of you has a seed in his hand by which you can plant, and you have the ability to plant it, then let him plant the seed. This is optimism. That if the Day of Judgment is on its way, and you have a seed in your hand to plant the seed, then plant the seed. Even though you know that the Day of Judgment is on its way. Why plant the seed? The scholars, they say the reason why is because a person's concentration should not just be restricted or relegated to what is important to them, but they should also think about the people that are coming behind them. You should also be thinking about the people to come behind you. And that that is a general rule that we use in our lives. If you're leaving a job, if you're leaving a marriage, if you're leaving whatever you're leaving, then you should actually be thinking you're leaving this world and you leaving your family behind you should think about not just your experience but the type of experience the people that are coming after you are going to have what is the type of experience that you are leaving for the people that come behind you and while we have many muslim men who jump in and out of marriages and children here children here children here what are you leaving behind for those children after you're gone what are you leaving behind for those children after you're gone? We hear a lot of talk about having a large ummah and having many children, but who's sticking around to take care of the children? And what are we working towards to leave behind for these children after we're gone? Are we leaving behind you know, children who have memorized the Qur'an? Are we leaving behind Masajid, you know, facilities whereby they can go in and, you know, establish a connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Are we leaving behind, you know, a solemn relationship with God? Are we? What are we leaving behind? It's like we take from the sunnah what is easy for us and then we leave everything else because it doesn't suit our desire. What are we leaving behind? Getting married is from the sunnah. Having many children is from the sunnah, but sticking around to take care of your children is from the sunnah. Leaving behind something for your children is from the sunnah. Even if you don't have a lot of money to leave behind and leave them behind, at least deen, the Prophet sallallahu he asked Abu Bakr when he gave all of his money away sadaqah, his liquid cash, gave it away sadaqah. And he asked him, <laughs> he asked him, what did you leave behind for your children? He said, taraktu li ahli Allah wa Rasuluh. I left Allah and his messenger for my family. My family's straight. I, I'm not worried about leaving behind a whole bunch of money for my family. My family's straight. They got Allah and his messenger. I left the Qur'an and the Sunnah behind with my children. They're straight. The Prophet Ya'qub alayhi salam, Allah says, Am kuntum shuhada Id al-maut, Id bani, Were you present at the time when Prophet Ya'qub was on his deathbed and he called all of his sons together and he said to them, Ma min ba'di? What are you going to worship after I'm gone? What are you going to worship after I'm gone? He's concerned not about the experience that he's having in that moment, but the experience his children are going to have after he's gone. What are you going to worship after I'm gone? So while we spend so much time on social media, while we spend so much time at our jobs, have we spent so? what are we leaving behind that is substantial, that is solid for our children, for the next generation of Muslims? We say, uh, you know, this person is building a masjid, this person is working on this, this person, and, you know, we feel like I don't need to get involved, that's not my masjid, that's not my community, I'm not getting involved. It's not about you. People are working towards leaving behind something for the Muslim community so that Islam endures. Islam endures. And we should want to be a part of that. Excuse me one second. So, he said, "The what are you going to worship after me?" And they say, "Khalu n'abdul ilaha kaw ilaha aba Ibrahim, Ishaq, wa ya'qub. They said, we're going to only worship one God. He said, what are you going to worship after I'm gone? They said, we will worship the, the God of our forefathers, the God of Ibrahim and Ishaq and you, Yaqub, our father, one God, and we will submit to him. Yaqub just wanted to make sure that I'm leaving you upon something solid. Leaving you upon something solid. As Allah says, waja'alaha. Um, uh, بَاقِيَةٍ فِي لَعَلَّهُمْ تَرْجِعُونَ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ That we left it, we left La ilaha illallah as an everlasting word. This is one of the descriptions of La ilaha illallah, one of the many descriptions of La ilaha illallah in the Quran. The everlasting word. We made it as an everlasting word to endure, to endure beyond him and throughout his progeny. So that perhaps they will have a foundation to return back to. People get diverted. Their attention gets diverted. People get distracted. But as long as you leave a foundation, inshallah, they will always find their way back. Think about how many Muslim children born and raised raised Muslim deviated from Islam, left Islam, got distracted, got diverted by the dunya, only to find their way back to la ilaha illallah, only to find their way back because their parents left them with a solid foundation or because Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala decided to have mercy upon them despite the fact that their parents did not leave them a solid knowledge. So the Prophet sallam, said that if any one of you has in his hand a, a fasila, a, a seed that he can plant and you see the signs of the Day of Judgment, then plant it. Because it's not just about you, it's about what's coming after you. So the Prophet Sallallahu sallam, he enters upon this Bedouin. And he says to him, La bet tohor insha'Allah. may it be a uh, may it be a purification for you. And some people may take that as an insult. That's not an insult. That's helping you to see your situation in a different light. It's not an insult. It's helping you to see your situation, to have a little bit more optimism, and to see your situation through a different light. La bettuhor, insha'Allah, let it be a purification for you. So the man he retorts, he says back to the Prophet وسلم, He said, uh, "No, it is not uh, a purification for me." He said, Hammun Tafur. It is a it is a hot fever that I am suffering from." Al ashkin kabir upon an old man. Matt kabur that is going to get send me to an early grave this it's not a to hoard, it's not a purification for me it's not a purification it's a it's a hot fever upon an old man that's going to send me to an early grave See how he saw his situation the same way that many of us see our situation? No matter how much a person tries to tell you, gives you some advice to say, hey, the situation might be good. Be patient, you know, because being patient through the the trial and tribulation allows you enough mental capacity to make connections, connect the dots. So you can begin seeing the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the situation. But if you fret and you complain and you make God the enemy of your state, then you'll never be able to see the wisdom in the situation. Allah will never grant you wisdom to see, see the situation to be what it really is. What we see is the surface from the very beginning. And this is why the Prophet wasallam said, Inna mas sabr, inda sadama Patience is at the first striking of the calamity. Because when you exercise patience at the very beginning of your misfortune, inshaAllah ta'ala, you'll be slowly, you'll be able to start connecting the dots and it'll start making sense to you. But if you fret and you complain and you make Allah the enemy and you start blaming God for, you know, whatever it is you're experiencing in that moment, you'll never calm down enough to be able to see the wisdom in the situation, to be able to connect the dots. You'll never have that. This is why patience at the very beginning of the calamity is important. And patience is not, you know, uh, you know, just sitting there on your hands doing nothing. Patience is how you conduct yourself throughout the trial. Are you complaining? Are you blaming God? Are you complaining to Allah's creation instead of complaining to Allah? Is it pushing you further away from Allah? Is it drawing you closer to Allah? That is what patience is. Patience is not just sitting on your hands saying nothing and doing nothing. It's not what you're doing during your trial or your misfortune, it's how you are doing it during your trial your misfortune, right? It's active, not passive. Absolutely. So the man, he says to the Prophet, this is not a a tuhur, this is not a purification for me. This is a fiery, you know, fever that I'm experiencing. And it is upon an old man that's going to send me to an early grave. And the Prophet, you know what he says? Because you know what you say to people who think they got it all figured out? You just say, you know what? You're right. Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala he said: "Whoever came to me as he said that This is Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala, Muhammad ibn Idris al-Shafi'i. He said, that "I never argue with a person who has knowledge except that I conquered him in the in the in the debate." "Ghalabtuhu" Imam Shafi was given quwwat al bayan. He was given articulation, eloquence, the ability to get his point across. Some people have it, some people don't. Very easy for him to get his point across. He said, And I never argued or debated with a person that has knowledge except that I conquered him in the debate. He said, And I never argued with a person who was ignorant except he conquered me in the debate. I never argue with a person who was ignorant, except they conquered me in the debate. You can't argue with a person who was ignorant. Good advice is not always understood by those who think that they understand. Good advice is not always understood by those who think that they understand. The greatest enemy of knowledge is not ignorance. It's the illusion of knowledge. You think that you know, you got it all figured out. At that point, you just say, you know what? You got it. The Prophet Wasallam, he said to him, Fanam, he said, then that's exactly what it is. If that's what you say it is, that's what it is. If that's what you say it is, then that's what it is. I'm telling you that it's a tuhur, it's a purification for you, inshallah. You can see it like that, or you can choose not to see it like that. Ali bin Abi Talib, عنه, he said nas arba, he said people are four types, there are four types of people. wa yadri annahu yadri, the person who knows and knows that he knows. a person who knows and knows that he knows. wa la and a person who knows but doesn't yet know that he knows. Number three, Number three is the person who doesn't know but knows that he doesn't know. He knows that he doesn't know. He knows that he's ignorant. And the last one, The last one is the person who doesn't know and doesn't know that they don't. He doesn't know and he doesn't know that he doesn't know. The greatest enemy of knowledge is not ignorance. It's the illusion of knowledge. The person who thinks that they know and they don't know. You got it all figured out. The Prophet said, then it is whatever you believe it is. And guess what happened? The very next morning he died. (laughs) He spoke his own demise into fruition. That's the danger of pessimism. That's the danger of being a pessimist is that you speak your own demise into existence. You speak your own failures into existence, and we do it all the time. Some of us have been so scarred and so marred by our misfortunes in life that even when things are good, a good thing laying right in your lap, you still can't see it. You still can't see it, and you'll sabotage it. You'll sabotage it because you don't believe that there's no way that this can be you know good for me there's no way that you know this could be my life there's no way that this can be my experience who are you to dictate to god who he gives his blessings to and why that's for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to decide not for you to decide and we have so, we have sabotaged so many things in our lives simply because we believe that there's no way that this could be you know my situation no way that this could be good you know, subhanAllah. He sabotaged his own situation. No, he could not see beyond, you know, the the the, the, the surface of the misfortune. Nah, this ain't this can't be a tahuor, this can't be a purification for me. This is nothing more than, you know, a, a a hot fever that I'm experiencing on an old man that's gonna send me to an early grave. And guess what happened? sent him to an early grave. The very next morning he died. The Prophet ﷺ said, nah, I'm even. That's what it is, if that's what you believe it is. If that's what it is. You spoke your own demise into fruition. And by taking that little concept right there, we can apply that to so many different areas of our lives. We speak our own demise into fruition. We speak our own failures into existence. I can tell you some stories in my life of where it might have seemed like the whole world was against me at that moment. And I believe there was something in me that told me that there's no way that this is my situation. And Alhamdulillah. And I'm sure that many of you have some of the same similar stories. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought us through so many situations. Has not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shown you enough? Or does Allah still have to show you? Or do we end up like Quraysh? Where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, well, "Even if you saw every sign of Allah's mercy, of Allah's compassion, of Allah's, you know, might, strength, even if Allah showed you every single sign, you still not going to believe Him. You still not going to believe Him. How many times does Allah Subhanahu wa Taala have to show you?" How many times? Once? Twice? Hasn't he brought you through many situations? How many more times does he have to show you? And even if he doesn't bring you through on this situation or that situation, it's fine. As Prophet Ayub, you know, he you know, he uh he fell victim to um leprosy. He was tested with leprosy, lost his children, and, and almost lost his wife. He was to the point that he was intolerable. People couldn't even look at him. That's how bad he was afflicted with leprosy. And his wife said to him, why don't you call on Allah? Why don't you call on Allah and ask him to cure you from this? And Prophet Ayyub said, how many years has Allah given me with good health? 50, 60 years of my life, I've had good health. I've only had this situation for a year or two. Am I to call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after a year or two when he has already given me 60 years of good health? Some of us are, are, are not feeling well right now. And you may be trying to figure out, trying in your mind, trying to process everything that's happening to you. But how many years has Allah given you good health? I'll do you one better. How many years has Allah given us good health and we abuse the good health that Allah gave us? And now we're starting to you know, feel the effects of COVID or whatever is, whatever is out in the atmosphere at this point, because you don't really know at this point. And our immune system is not functioning at 100%. We drink, we smoke, we engage in unhealthy behaviors. And then when we succumb to sicknesses, in illnesses we turn around and we blame god why am i being tested with this why are you not being tested with this allah subhanahu wa taala when you most of us when we came out of the wombs of our mothers we came out healthy provided we may have run into in in our lives in 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 the journey of our lives we have may have run into you know illnesses we may have come down with different illnesses and sicknesses i'm not talking about that i'm talking about people who had good health their entire life But they begin to abuse that health. As the Prophet said, take care of five before five. One of them is take care of your health before your sickness. Take care of your health before your sickness. Meaning cherish it, appreciate it. Take care of it. But we drink. We smoke. I, I look at you know certain people that I know, people that I know right now who are sick, they, they cannot break themselves out of this sick state that they're in. They go from one sickness to another sickness. Something goes wrong, and then they get a little better, and then something else goes wrong. And your health is just constantly failing. And it's failing because you abused your body for so many years, and now it's catching up to you. Uh, It is a form of self-oppression. Absolutely. I I mean, absolutely. And so while we laugh, you know, we take a sip of wine, we take a a sip of this and a sip of that, or a puff of this and a puff of that, and we think that it's not a big deal. And then when your immune system starts to fail you, you smoke cigarettes right now. COVID is, you know, uh, one of those situations, even if it's COVID, I don't know what it is. But whatever this situation it is, it affects the respiratory, the ability to breathe, right? So if you're smoking cigarettes, you're already at at risk. You're inhaling smoke. You're smoking marijuana. You're inhaling. you, You vaping. You're inhaling smoke into your lungs, especially at a time when there's a disease floating around that affects the respiratory system. And you still see people smoking cigarettes. It's like, what part of that don't you get? And then you go to the hospital and the whole family is supposed to crowd around you and help you out and help to bring you back to a state of health when you don't even appreciate the health that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you. Many people suffer from depression, from stress, putting ourselves in situations that are stressful, not pulling ourselves out of situations that are stressful and begin to affect our health physical health, mental health, learn to you know, cherish and honor the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you. It's a blessing. Mental health is a blessing. Physical health is a blessing. All of these things are blessings. And when you start to see it like that, you start to position yourself whereby you don't compromise those things for nobody. Right, as Allah says in the Quran, do not let your own hands be the cause of your own destruction. Don't let your own hands be the cause of your own destruction. And the last point of this hadith is being patient with the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned in the hadith of Jibril, and we believe in the Qadr khayrihi wa sharrihi. We believe in the qadr, the good of it and the bad of it. And the scholars, they explain that it's not that the qadr is bad. It's bad in the eyes of the person that it is happening to because they're here again. They're not able to see the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the situation. So when they are afflicted with something, a misfortune, a calamity, adversity, they start to see it as a bad thing. But in fact, it is good. So when the Prophet sallam, said, we believe in the qadr, the good of it and the bad of it, the bad of it in 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 light of the way that the human being sees it. In light of the way that the human being sees it, not in light of the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed it or executed it upon you. Okay. So just, you know, just a, a reminder, you know, the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi entered upon the man and he said to him, la bat tuhurun inshaAllah, perhaps it's a purification for you inshaAllah, trying to give him another way of looking at it. The man said, No, there's no way that this is a purification. This is nothing more than a hot fever upon an old man that's going to send him to his early grave. Prophet said, but mean, then it is whatever you believe it is. It is whatever you believe it is. If that's what you believe, that's what it is. And he spoke his own demise into fruition because he died the very next morning. Don't so many lessons in that. But most importantly, number one, learn how to be optimistic. Number two, Optimism is one of the things that leads to resilience. Number three, stop speaking your own demise into fruition. Learn how to enjoy the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't get to question why Allah is blessing you. We continue to say, I don't know why Allah is blessing me like this. I don't know, what did I do to deserve it? You didn't do anything to deserve it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Rahman, the most merciful, which means that he gives out of mercy not as a compensation. Anything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us is from his rahmah, from his mercy subhanahu wa ta'ala, not as a compensation for something that you deserve. Even when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punishes us for something that we did, that we might actually deserve the punishment, Allah lightens the punishment because he is al-latif, he is gentle with his servants. So even though we deserve a greater punishment than what we got, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lightens the, the punishment for us, understanding that we can't handle it. Allah doesn't give us more than what we can handle. La nafsan ma ataha. That Allah does not place on a soul more than what it can handle. So even when Allah punishes us, He still doesn't punish us, punish us to the extent or to the degree of the sin or violation that we that we did. Even when He punishes us, it's mercy. So who are we to question Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, well, I don't know why Allah is blessing me. You know, I don't, I, I know I don't deserve this. Obviously you don't deserve it. But it's not for you to question Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why he's having mercy. Angel Jibril, alayhi salam, he came down to the Prophet, he came down to Prophet Musa. During the time when Allah was about to destroy Fir'aun, right? And Angel Jibril came to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and narrated this to him. He said, on the day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was going to destroy Fir'aun, he said, you should have seen me stuffing dirt into the mouth of Fir'aun out of fear that he would ask for forgiveness and Allah would accept his forgiveness. Subhanallah. La ilaha illallah. It's not for us to question why is Allah blessing me with this. I don't know why is this happening to me. I don't I don't deserve this. Obviously, you don't deserve it. And as long as you believe that you don't deserve it, then inshallah that will keep you humble. As long as you tell yourself, I know I don't deserve this, that will keep you humble. The moment you start to believe that, yeah, this is from the fruits of my labor, from the spoils of my sacrifice, and you believe that you deserve this and that this is an exact compensation for some good that you've done, you are self-deluded. You are deluded. As long as you believe that I don't deserve this, inshallah ta'ala, that feeling of humility that feeling of humility is part of your gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as Allah says in the Quran, that if you show me gratitude, I'll give you more. If you show me gratitude, I will give you more. And that feeling of humility that I don't deserve this, God just keeps blessing me. That feeling of that feeling of unworthiness. That is part of your shukr. That's part of your gratitude. That's part of your gratitude. I know I don't deserve this. I can say 100% there's nothing in my life that I deserve. Nothing. And bi'idhnillah, as long as you feel like that, that'll keep you humble. The moment you start to believe that, yeah, Allah blessed me with this because I did that, see when i did this allah blessed me with that (laughs) you're deluded man allah didn't bless you with that because you did this or because you did that allah blessed you with it because it was written for you to have it even before you did the action that you did to get it it was written for you to have it allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't go back on his decree when allah has already decreed that something is going to come to you it's going to come to you even though you didn't do you know the action that warranted the blessing. Allah is still going to give it to you anyway because it was already written for you to have it. So, inshallah, we'll stop here. With I hope this morning remembrance, inshallah, served its purpose and that was to, you know, be a reminder for us as we move throughout our day today. Inshallah, ta'ala, that we stay focused, always stay focused always stay in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is one of the be- best ways i mean this is therapeutic for me which is why i kind of cut time out and you know do what i need to do to kind of you know do this in the mornings uh, on saturday because it is it is uh, therapeutic for me as well you know some people say oh thank you for this no this was for me not for you is there a difference between living in humility and telling yourself that you don't deserve the blessing Telling yourself that you don't deserve a blessing. Telling yourself, not, not necessarily telling yourself. It's the feeling. Not telling yourself that you don't deserve the feeling. The feel, it's the feeling of humility that Allah has given me something, and I know that I didn't do anything to deserve it. I accept that from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, And when you accept a gift from somebody that you know that you don't deserve, it's just like a wife she might have been disrespectful, or foul, or, you know, whatever with her husband. And because he has a, a merciful nature, he still goes out and he does something nice for her. And he does that feeling of humility. Some women might not feel humility and might think, oh, you're trying to get back in my good graces. You're blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, that's the arrogance. But a woman who is humble will say, Dang, man, I, I was so harsh to this guy. I was so mean to this guy. And this guy still went out and bought me flowers. This guy still went out and did you know, something extra for me. I I feel horrible, right? You feel horrible when somebody does something good for you after you treated them horribly, right? You feel horrible afterwards. That feeling that you feel when the person goes and does something good for you, even though you know you don't, that's called humility. You're humbled in front of you know the good gesture of your spouse, because you know that you didn't deserve. So it's not that you tell yourself, I don't deserve it. It's the feeling, the shu'ur, in Arabic it's called, a shu'ur. you feel, you feel that I'm unworthy of this. And sometimes, some instances, people will reject something because they feel like, I don't, I don't deserve that. And it's like, for example, um, I was talking to a brother last night, and I was asking him to, you know, assist me with um, giving a discussion or whatever the case may be. And I and I said, you know, and I would offer, you know, a compensation. He was like, no, 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 I do that piece of be, I do that for free. Don't no, don't say. It. I said, no, nah, man, I would never ask anybody to do anything for free. I said, I've been on the other side of, you know, doing things, you know, and not getting paid for what I was doing or compensated for what I. I, I know what that feels like. And alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm in a position where I can, you know, at this point, you know, offer something small to anybody that, you know, assists me with anything I ask for. And so I said, so accept that as a gift from me, you know. He's like, nah, I, I don't want anything, man. Like, I don't want you to give me anything. I'll do that, you know, peace of Allah. And I'm like, nah, just accept, accept it as a gift. Sometimes people put you in a position where you feel like, nah, you know, but you have to look at it as a gift. This is a gift that a person has given you. It has nothing to do with what you believe you deserve. Just accept the gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you have a good spouse, you have healthy children, you have your provision for today. that you've been given the world and everything in it, accept that as a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't look at it as, well, I don't deserve this. Obviously you don't deserve that. And there are tons of other things in your life that you don't deserve either. But accept it as a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and remain humble. Maintain that humility. Humility is part of our deen, man. Arrogance creeps in. We start to, you know, and that's because of the society that we live in. The society that we live in tells us that, you know, everything, it has to be quid pro quo, this for that, this for that. And with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's not a, a quid pro quo you do what you are commanded to do and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ar-rahman ar-rahim will continue to bestow his blessings upon you even though you don't necessarily deserve them the only thing that you need to be worried about is just to remain obedient and humble to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and just and allow the blessings to pour in that's it you don't have to invest too much mental energy in worrying about whether or not you deserve it. Why is Allah giving this to me? Is Allah punishing me? Yeah, those should be thoughts in the back of your mind, but we don't speak our own demise into fruition by saying, I don't deserve this or start to self-sabotage, sabotage the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. That, that's something that you know, we've done throughout our lives. You know, We have to learn how to combat that that pessimism that belief that i don't deserve this you know we say oftentimes i'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop you know how you know how self destructive that type of thought is i'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop you know how self destructive that that concept that mentality is that means that things are going so good in my life that I can't believe that these things are going so well and I know at some point Allah's going to pull a rug from underneath me and is going to bring you know you know bring in my reality the reality that exists in my subconscious that tells me I don't deserve this when everything starts going good you start to think something bad is about to happen absolutely Why can't you just enjoy the blessing? Just enjoy it. Just enjoy the blessing. And even if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes the blessing away from you, that within itself is a blessing. Do you understand that? Even if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes the blessing from you, sometimes that within itself is a blessing. We think goodness is a setup, absolutely. Thank you sister Bridget. You you articulated that perfectly. We think goodness is a setup. The only time goodness is a setup, the only time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is setting you up by continuously giving you good is when you are insistently disobedient to him. Then that good that Allah is continuously giving you is to divert you away from making toba so that the punishment is justified against you. And sometimes Allah gives you good, even when you're doing bad, as a way of humbling you to turn yourself towards making toba and doing the right thing. That's out of his mercy. That's out of his mercy. Sometimes you're doing the wrong thing, and Allah blesses you with good, and that blessing brings about this feeling of unworthiness so deep within your soul that you feel horrible even receiving the blessings of Allah, doing the things that you're doing, and it turns you towards Tawbah. It turns you towards sincerely repenting to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala and and changing your ways. You can tell it all depends on you. It all depends on you it doesn't depend on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it depends on you if you're doing your best and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is blessing you then accept the blessing with a humble heart i'm doing my best you know i know i could be doing better i know i could be doing more you know but i accept the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving me and i know that I, i'm not worthy of them i know i don't deserve them but i accept them this is from the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I will never reject the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it all depends on you. It all depends on you. Uh, all of these uh, morning discussions are recorded. They are on uh, uh, on our podcast, the Maradiyah Show, uh, which is on. You can go to Apple Podcasts. You can go to um, um uh, I'll post a link. I usually post a link on my Instagram page, but all of the um all of the lectures are recorded audio as well as video. The video usually goes to um YouTube and the audio goes to our podcast. All right. Okay, so before I go, uh inshallah, I just wanted to make a brief reminder about number one, um our um, Masjid roll the Islamic Center fundraiser that will be happening next next Saturday, inshallah. Uh, no, these lectures are free and I don't sell lectures. Lectures are free, free for your benefit uh, or anybody's benefit. They're, they're, they're free, all right? Um, the, uh, uh, the fundraiser that we will be having next Saturday, inshallah, starting at, after Salatul Dhuhr, I will have Brother Malik, who I had on before. Uh, he will come on and talk about um, breaking some generational curses. And this is especially for men. I need the men to you know, pull up and take a listen. This is you know, one of our OGs in the community, inshallah, is going to you know, impart some some information that'll help us uh, get back on track. Uh, I have uh, Brother Muhammad Abdul Aleem Hoop Finesse. Many um, of you guys may know him from Instagram. Uh, Inshallah Ta'ala, he's going to come on next Saturday, Inshallah, and we'll be talking about um, the um, uh, honoring the women in the community, honoring mothers uh, in the community and what that means in today's time, uh, given all of the things that are taking place, Inshallah Ta'ala. Uh, and then we have a couple of more speakers, inshallah, that I will add to the list. I'll put out a, a flyer for the fundraiser. This is a five-hour talkathon. So we'll go from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m., inshallah ta'ala, uh, all day next Saturday trying to raise $40,000. The remaining money that we need you know, to purchase our uh, facility, inshallah, in Newark, Delaware. So we need your help. We need your assistance. If you've got, If you guys are not free next Saturday, and this will be on Instagram Live as well as Facebook Live, uh, if you guys are not free next Saturday, inshallah, then you can make a donation. You can make your donation to our Cash App using uh, the Cash App sign, um, uh, Rolda Masjid, Cash App sign, Rolda Masjid, or uh, PayPal using Masjid Arroda, M-A-S-J-I-D-A-R-R-A-W-D-A-H, Masjid at gmail.com. You can make donation to either one of those. Uh, And inshallah ta'ala, that would be greatly appreciated.